0: Section 8 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell. Criminal Investigation, a practical handbook for magistrates, police officers, and lawyers, Volume 3, by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam chapter seventeen theft general considerations in many cases the investigating officer strictly so-called will not have to trouble with the detection of thefts this is the business of the police of the criminal investigation department and yet it will often be a good thing for the investigating officer also to make certain inquiries himself concerning thefts and thus contribute his assistance towards diminishing the number of those which remain undetected what generally happens is this dozens of theft cases of small importance are disposed of as a matter of routine without being probed to the bottom and when there comes along a theft of objects of great value committed generally by skilled thieves and with every immanageable refinement we must frankly confess the investigating officer is not as a rule sharp enough to lead the inquiry to a satisfactory result it may besides be remarked that where a fairly large number of insignificant thefts is discovered it is mainly due to the remarkable silliness of the thief that is to say his incapacity for mastering his impatience to enjoy the subject-matter of his theft if all thieves were capable of preserving the produce of their thefts for some time not touching it but waiting before enjoyment till the crime be forgotten not half of the thefts found out at the present time would be discovered an old saying states when a youth steals he must needs buy something for his girl and this is so true as to make it evident that many insignificant thefts can be discovered without any very great difficulty yet when these comparatively inoffensive thieves and the international burglar who is a man of refinement and whose object is rolls of banknotes or boxes of jewels reposing in safes guaranteed proof against burglary which safes are situated in shops perfectly lighted and always watched there is not such a very great difference and if the investigating officer would take the trouble to thoroughly investigate thefts of small importance instead of merely going through the usual and absolutely indispensable routine if he would attempt to completely clear them up he would not be slow to obtain self-instruction and be very soon able to bring the most important cases to a satisfactory conclusion. It must not be forgotten that the high class thief did not start with big and sensational thefts. He commenced quite simply with thefts of small articles. And if today, with the greatest effrontery and all possible cunning, and so to speak, under the very nose of the authorities, he clears out a jeweler's shop, his first theft was probably of an old watch hanging in some open room where anyone might go, and quite unprotected. And if the thief were asked the difference between these two thefts, he would say, it is always the same thing, a little more information to be obtained, a little more reflection, a little more boldness, and slightly better tools. As for the rest, nothing is changed. Just in the same way as the thief educates himself by thefts of small importance, so the investigating officer should, by their means, familiarize himself with the manner in which the thief conceives and executes his thefts, so that when occasion arises he may know how to deal with more important thefts apart from his professional duty which orders him to concentrate all his energy even upon insignificant matters the investigating officer will soon find himself rewarded for the work which he has consecrated to this kind of problem by the ever-increasing interest which he takes in it for its own sake what are called interesting cases that is to say those in which blood flows in streams where it is a question of a theft of several lacks or where the cunning of a woman or betrayed lover plays a great role are not so frequent and if the investigating officer has not much luck he may go on for a considerable time before an interesting case comes along to break the monotony of his daily life now if he does not find the interesting side of his work he will fall into a commonplace routine and when an interesting case does turn up he will be incapable of attacking it with vigor and energy when things arrive at this stage the whole service suffers from it and we have to complain of an investigating officer who goes on wearily and with endless routine for it is indeed to such a routine that the investigating officer who does not know how to seize the interesting side of his profession must come it is not rare to hear it said all watches are stolen in the same way in a general sense this is true but any one who studies the motives for the theft the preparations which have been made for its accomplishment the precautions which have been taken to hinder its discovery the employment of the subject matter of the theft and the consequences of the crime will not be slow to perceive that among a thousand cases of theft there are not two alike that facts which seem quite identical are really very different from one another and that each case presents an interest of its own the investigating officer who has attentively and minutely made a point of studying minor thefts will start upon the study of important cases with just as much ardor and, from their outside aspect at least, will not fail to disentangle them. While treating in the following pages of some particular points concerning thefts and different varieties of theft, we have not endeavored to reduce these crimes to a single system, or even to indicate to people how to guarantee themselves against thieves. We simply desire to give certain indications to the investigating officer as to what he should ask a witness or the victim of the theft and upon important points what should be the object of his attention he will doubtless find here many things he will know already but we have thought it as well to touch upon certain details for the benefit of those who for one reason or other are still unaware of them thieves scouts and spies commencing with the facts preceding the theft the most important matter concerns thieves scouts and spies without going so far as ave Lalament, who sees a spy in every intruder entering a house we may yet say that strictly all may in fact be so all sorts of persons in various capacities may make their business but an excuse for exploring localities such are peddlers beggars cripples infirm persons the blind man who can see but is led about by a child the child who weepingly relates the miserable circumstances of its parents the bold youth who asks with malicious smile a stranger stopping at a hotel whether his sister's female cousin may come to see him the timorous young girl who asks for his linen to wash and mend so as to enable her to support her old mother and her brothers and sisters the commission agent who tenders his assistance and the commissionaire who offers his services the respectable old lady who changes a bank-note at a money-changers the commercial traveller who unpacks his samples the unfortunate orphan daughter of an officer who comes for advice to a profligate and in india the bogus policeman who demands a plague certificate law touts eurasian beggars hawkers and many others this preliminary investigation is made from different points of view it is first necessary to know the topography of the place make sure of its situation get to know the neighborhood and decide whether the doors and windows shut and open favorably for the carrying out of the theft a view of the premises must then be obtained by daylight, so that the thief may be able to find his bearings in the dark or by a dim light. Next, the places of entry and departure, the number of persons necessary for the actual commission of the theft, or to keep watch inside or outside must be decided. Particular attention has to be paid to the closing of doors, windows, and almaras, not forgetting the key itself an expert thief can not only judge the quality of a lock by taking a rapid glance at the key but he can remember besides the size and shape of that key as well as a dozen others and this so accurately that when the moment for action arrives he will only have to carry with him a very small number of skeleton keys thus finding the right one without much noise and without injuring the lock the most arduous point and consequently the most important in every such exploration is the study of the ways of the victims, both in their public and private life. The first difficulty is to collect information as to the connection existing between these persons and outside. Particulars must be obtained as to the number of persons in the house, how many servants there are, whether people sleep in the house, and where or at what o'clock they go home, whether they sit up talking and drinking, whether they are armed or are in communication with one another, or outside, bells, telegraphs, and telephones it is evident that a thief who has been but once inside a house cannot learn such things but if several persons belonging to the same band of thieves visit the house for the same person never goes twice if they watch the goings and comings from the house and the time of lighting up and putting out the lights from some neighbouring point of vantage if in an important crime one of the male members of the band makes the acquaintance of one of the female servants or vice versa a female member with a manservant the thieves may obtain information upon many points and if they know how to put two and two together they are soon all courant with all they require to know it is more difficult for them to find out the details of the private life of the inhabitants of the house details of a psychological nature which however the expert thief considers to be most important he seeks to know whether the master of the house his family and other persons are orderly whether they regularly and scrupulously shut up the house whether they put the keys in a safe place whether they live freely or economically whether the people of the house are on good terms whether or not they are intelligent folk he will try to find out the character of the servants and whether the men of the house are timid or brave all such details concerning the character and manner of living of the inmates are of the greatest importance a thousand points are useful such as whether the master gambles or the mistress has a guilty liaison whether the daughter is a flirt or the son short of money the love affairs of the footman and the cook the date the master receives his salary or dividends what he gives his wife for the housekeeping and how much pocket money the children receive it must not be supposed that this information is only sought for important thefts of rare occurrences an individual who desires to be taken for a particularly skilled thief and this is the ambition of them all practices the minutest research in minor thefts where indeed as in all things preparatory study is necessary it must be admitted that too little attention is paid to preparations precedent to thefts of no great importance it being supposed that the thief has merely entered the house seized the first thing he could lay his hand on and decamped but even for insignificant thefts criminals make preparations of all kinds and this is proved by the fact that while an enormous number of such thefts take place but a relatively small proportion are detected this would not be so if the plans had not been carefully laid and all the necessary information most minutely obtained it is just these preparations these apparently inoffensive explorations which in the hands of an experienced and dogged detective may bring about the discovery of the criminals the allegories one of the criminal tribes of south india are adepts at the art of reciting the vedas and disguised as religious mendicants gaining admission to the houses of respectable villagers the situation of the bolts and the geography of the house is taken in at a glance a faint scratch on the door frames, made with a piece of glass which like the cape muries they invariably carry shows the position of the bolts and indicates the work of the ragi the breach in the wall is made close to the bolt sufficiently large to admit of a man's arm being inserted and the bolt is drawn this mode of housebreaking is known in other parts of india as the bugli operation the instrument used is called by them the kuchi or gaddy coal it is most ingeniously made and is carried about by them on their begging tours to the casual observer it is a musical instrument somewhat resembling the veena in shape but on a minute examination being made by an observant officer it will be discovered that the instrument is composed of two parts capable of being separated from each other in one of which halves is encased a sharp iron tool about twelve to fifteen inches in length octagon shaped and tipped with steel when a theft of some importance has been committed it is the custom to start by first questioning the victim of it then other persons who all affirm that the objects have in fact disappeared and that so far it has been impossible to find them next the objects are described in a special circular the police authorities being requested to make active search and here the whole matter ends the thief not having left his calling card what more indeed can be done such is the habitual formula of consolation but the facts are quite overlooked that the culprit cannot have acted on the spur of the moment and that long preparations have been necessary which can themselves become points of departure for further investigation here again we take exception to the opinion of those who consider that the investigating officer must not make researches which are the duty of the police or that such work is beneath his dignity the duty of the investigating officer is to throw light upon the case and it would indeed be assigning to himself a role unworthy of his position if abandoning the whole of the work to the police he leaves to himself only the business of coming in afterwards, when they have made everything ready for him, to complete those formalities connected with the accused and the witnesses, etc., specially prescribed by law to be his particular duty. Even when the criminal is unknown, the investigating officer should go through with and terminate his inquiry just as if an accused has been already brought before him. He should make all necessary investigations and assure himself of the whole story of the theft, so as to have every proof ready against the day when the thief may be discovered and arrested moreover the great experience and high intelligence of the investigating officer should give an impulse to the whole course of the inquiry and guide it in the right direction the complete case will then be presented to the court as it ought to be to ensure a fully satisfactory trial moreover an investigating officer when questioning the victim of the theft and the people of the house should spare no trouble to elicit every scrap of information about all details having any connection whatever with the preparations made by the thief he should ask about people who recently or even at a distant date may have visited the house and concerning all the parts of it they may have been able to observe such as the rooms from which things have been taken the places where the thief has got in and out and even the spot from where the above-mentioned persons have been observed in most cases a negative answer will be the result for these visitors if they have had any approach to cleverness will have endeavored to prevent drawing any one's attention and seeing that the theft has succeeded their end in view has been attained the investigating officer has therefore no other resource but to question the witness however intelligent he may be just as if he were questioning a child. Has he seen a beggar, a commissionaire, a peon, a commercial traveler, hawker, or any other stranger going into the house? Or has he seen people who come seeking situations in his employ, or observed children or young girls who have come into his house under some pretext or other, etc.? Then he must pass to the personal relations of the master of the house, of his family and of his servants, in order to help clear up the matter this cannot be gone through without the commission of some indiscretion more than once must delicate points be touched upon points difficult to approach but which none the less must be elucidated in the interests of the case but we may say that taking them all together these delicate questions are not so difficult to deal with as is generally believed the investigating officer often only decides with repugnance and hesitation to put certain questions and he is perfectly astonished to hear in what a simple and natural way he is answered this is because in the office of the investigating officer people speak quite differently to the way they do at other times and when the investigating officer knows how to be precise and when the person questioned is aware that it is nothing but his keen interest in the case that makes the investigating officer speak as he does that his questions are really necessary for the elucidation of the matter and that he wishes to know how to put together bit by bit the information that he receives in order to furnish a logical whole the witness speaks with the best grace in the world and even with a considerable amount of frankness having in this way found after prolonged and troublesome research a certain number of persons who may have some connection with the facts in question the first precaution to be taken is to note them down carefully and then reduce as much as possible their number to do so there is no other way than first to eliminate all the persons who do not appear suspicious this elimination ought to be made with the greatest circumspection the statement of the individual questioned should never be alone relied upon for the best spy is exactly that person who can put on the most innocent air in the world only those persons therefore should be eliminated whose innocence is absolutely incontestable and the certainty of this innocence must be due to the private analysis of the investigating officer as well as other circumstances of a trustworthy character the investigating officer must then try to find out whether there is not a certain analogy in the behavior of all those persons who have been noticed this is an essential point it must not be forgotten that in crimes of some importance one person is not sufficient to obtain all the necessary information the first only explores the lie of the land in a general way he seeks a good opportunity and on the same day he turns up as a beggar a commercial traveller or canvasser in a number of houses and chooses such or such a one among them as the theatre of his exploits but this first person does not minutely examine the locality for he does not know whether he will not find something better later on it is just a voyage of exploration and as the same person as we have already said never comes twice to the same place a second person is sent who endeavors to fix all the details and obtain all important information it may be that this spy has neither the time nor the opportunity to study everything and that many points at first sight insignificant assume in the course of the subsequent planning some further importance which makes it indispensable to know more about them in this case a third a fourth or even a tenth individual is sent till the whole scheme is made as clear as possible it is therefore easy to understand that the methods of such persons present certain points of resemblance points which will evidently not escape an experienced investigating officer who has to deal with an accomplished fact but which would not strike an outsider especially before that fact was accomplished the witness ought therefore to be asked if he has not noticed while observing the suspected individual any glances any constant effort to arrive at such and such a place any desire to remain in the house after the pretended object of the visit was definitely obtained or had encountered failure or certain questions or peculiar turns of expression etc often people are seen to arrive in a house one after the other who seem to have a certain resemblance in their dialect attitude costume or some other mark of appearance or are distinguished by their importunity or humility who lower and hide their faces to prevent their being seen and looked at and who in a word betray in some way or other that they belong so to speak to the same family it is easy to understand that such inquiries are difficult and this the more so because scouts never as a rule address the same person twice they ask to see sometimes this person and sometimes that today exploring one part of the house, tomorrow another, in such a way that their goings and comings do not draw suspicion towards them. The investigating officer will only obtain a satisfactory result by questioning all the people in the house and combining their answers. It is true that even when this result is arrived at, that is to say, when it has been settled and established that various suspicious persons have tried to approach the house, he is hardly at the end of his work. Suppose he knows, for example that under various dissimilar pretexts one man two women and one child have been seen in the house then if at least an approximate description of these people can be procured the police will be able to find out without great difficulty whether a family of this kind and number has been observed near the scene of the theft and at what spot it may be found in all cases this band must be suspected of having taken part in the theft in question and a starting point will be obtained for further investigation it is always very difficult to find the beginning of the thread when but a single person or at most two have been employed on the business of exploration for rarely in such a case can sufficient matter for their identification be obtained but of this we may be sure that those thefts where but one scout has been sent out either are very insignificant or among those who have taken part in the theft there will be at least one person who has exact knowledge of the locality and the personal relations such as is possessed by dismissed servants in this case it is quite superfluous for the thieves to undertake a fresh investigation especially where no great space of time has elapsed since the servant was dismissed a rapid examination is then sufficient to make sure whether any change has taken place and here the investigating officer obtains a fresh clue which greatly lightens his task for the thieves will send the person who knows the place and can therefore most easily and rapidly carry out this work of verification what generally happens is as follows an old servant comes to his old master and asks his assistance in a matter that will take some time when they have parted on fairly good terms he generally pretends to have lost his certificate of character to which he attaches great value and asks for a duplicate or he requests a letter of recommendation to a new place or advice information or sometimes even assistance but in all cases he will have sufficient time to make sure that everything remains as it was before or on the contrary to notice and remember any changes that may have taken place if the presence of some such old employee comes out in the course of the inquiry he or she may very well be suspected of the theft in preference to anyone else but a too natural precipitation must be guarded against and before taking extreme measures it will be as well to watch carefully if, however, the inquiry points to no such scout, if it is certain that no previous exploration has taken place, and if, on the other hand, the theft is one which could not be carried out without a previous investigation, there can be no doubt that among the participators in the theft must be a person who is all courant with the habits of those in the house, either through having served in it or in some other way one must doubtless be sufficiently circumspect to decide the question whether there has really been such an incident as that described for on the one hand it may have taken place so far back that the victim forgets it or admits to mention it judging the date to be too remote and on the other hand it may have been carried out with such precaution and so naturally that it has passed unperceived and no mention is made of it in spite of all the perspicacity exercised by the investigating officer in his investigation. End of Section 8